0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, June 30th. That means it's a free-for-all. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join me. Those phone lines are open right now. I promise if you dial, you will get through. I'll get to the calls here in just a little bit. 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Nothing major today. Today's all about what you want to talk about. We'll do an hour, uh, or till we run out of questions. So it's up to you. After that, we'll head on into rolling Toe. Mike and Kevin Beckett will be here to answer all of your tire and alignment related calls. But uh, right now, anything goes. Pick up the phone and join me. Uh, I have a couple things I want to talk about while we're waiting for some calls to come in there. If you don't have our app yet, go get it. Uh, Great feedback on the app. We're certainly not done with it. We have a whole list of features we'll be working on and rolling out over time. I think we're uh, coming up on another update fairly soon here, but it is out of beta. The app is finished. You can download it from either one of the app stores, uh, iOS or the Play Store. It's a great way to listen to the show, and it's just going to keep getting better. So get the app, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everybody. Um, Also, check out the website, Let's truck.com. Lots of new stuff in the store. Lots of really great new food items that uh, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, We have a couple other products that are in the pipeline that uh, I can't really talk too much about yet, but I don't think it's going to be much longer. So check those things out. All right. So um, I'm going to call it. What do I mean? Well, I don't think there is any way left that we could possibly avoid a downturn and eventually a recession. I I think it's already here. You know, we have to have the official numbers to call it a recession, to call it a bear market. We get closer and closer to those things every day. And I know we've said before we thought this was coming and then something changes. I don't see any more of those somethings. What changed really and made this much, much more difficult to predict, and, and I also believe made it much worse, COVID and more importantly, the government's reaction to COVID is what really pushed this to a limit that we've never seen before. The government spending trillions of dollars, shutting down businesses, things that we've just... We've never had to deal with, and that extended the good times. But I don't think it extended them in a good way. I think we will pay the price for that now. There's no doubt about it. And really, uh, there, I just don't think there's anything this government can do, this administration. They're stuck. And some of this they don't want to fix. They want you to go buy an electric car. That, that seems painfully obvious now. The one thing they could do, it would not stop the recession, I don't believe, but I think it would soften it a little bit, is if they would actually go pump and produce more oil. That's really the only thing that would help a little bit now, but I think it's even too late for that to do much good. But as long as these energy prices stay high... Then our bigger fear is, will this be a typical recession? You know, 40 to 50% down in the stock market, business slows down considerably, um, should last 18 to 24 months. That would be fairly typical. Or, Or will it be worse? Will we be looking at something like we experienced in the late 70s, early 80s? under Carter with stagflation. That's what we're worried about. And that, that is such a strange phenomenon where prices keep going up. So you have this rampant inflation, but normally when prices are going up and you have a lot of inflation, you have a very hot economy. But it, it, it's weird in stagflation that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm not even sure I understand it Uh, i've gone back and try to read more about it from when it happened last time it's just odd normally if prices keep going up then people stop buying and the economy slows down and then prices come back down but under stagflation that didn't happen we had that period of prices constantly going up and yet the economy slowing down so people had less and less money that really seems like what we're heading for now, because again, I do not see this administration doing anything to try to change this. And it really does come down to energy prices right now. And they claim they're doing everything they can when honestly, they're doing absolutely nothing. They're getting in the way of fuel prices coming down and it has to be intentional. They're not that stupid. This is their plan so they don't care how many people suffer they are going to move us to electric vehicles that that seems to be the only i don't even want to say logical but it seems to be like the only answer to what they're doing so We can expect at least 18 to 24 months of this. I I don't think there's going to be much good business or economic news coming anytime soon. What I don't want to do, though, is just get on the air every day and talk about how bad things are. So we have to find a way to turn this around. At least for us, We're, we can't make any real impact on this. It's going to happen. It's coming. We can certainly have an impact on how it affects us. Now, I've been saying for several years, this was coming, pay down debt, save cash. You, it. I felt like it sounded like a broken record. I said it over and over and over and over. And that period is, is gone. That opportunity is gone. I hope you did it if you did, then this isn't going to be that big of a deal. If you didn't, what can you do now? Or even if you did, what should you be doing now? Because again, you're not going to be doing much of that. What are you going to be doing? Well, the next thing I'm going to sound like a broken record on is what I think you should be doing now. And until we find ourselves back out of this again, maybe two years from now, hopefully not longer what should you be doing you should be working on yourself i talked about this the other day from the book seven habits sharpen the saw work on yourself during this time you know there's when the rates were so high everything was so good then the smartest thing to do is just get out there and work and make as much money as you can when rates are going to tank there's not going to be as much work you're not going to be able to cherry pick the loads you absolutely want then maybe don't work so hard work on yourself now one of the ways you can work on yourself is to get yourself in good financial shape and then you'll know what kind of things you should be doing to get through this, or if you can get through this. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but that really should be your focus. You're going to hear it from me a lot. Most of my show opens will be something along the lines on this topic. What are you doing to improve yourself during this time? What are you doing to sharpen the saw? And I'll even give you a quick outline on the best way I think to work on it. Now, if you've already worked on some of these things, then just move on to the next step. But if you want a a good outline on how you should approach this, what should you work on first? There's something called keystone habits. And what that means is when you change a keystone habit, it's much more likely that you'll change other habits for the positive as well, that you'll do more things. It, it's a, it's a catalyst that gets you to do even more. So it makes sense that you would start with one of these areas that tend to be keystone habits, that when you create these habits, there seems to be a domino effect and other areas of your life start to improve as well i am completely convinced that the number one keystone in our life is our health because everything else is affected by that when you improve your health you improve your energy levels that means you can work harder faster longer You improve your brain function so you can work smarter, which is also important. You know, if you really want to be successful at anything, you have to work hard. There's no doubt about it. And you also have to work smart. So by improving your health, you will improve all of your efforts in every area. So Health is the number one keystone habit. Not only does it improve your energy levels and your brain function so that you think better and more clearly and you're more effective, it also impacts your mood. And when we're in a good positive mood, we're much more likely to do those things that will improve us and make us better over time. So health first. I'm going back and re-looking at health again, what more could I be doing? And I know exactly what it is. I just have to find better strategies so that I get more consistent at it. And for me, my biggest challenge health-wise is sticking with the stress busters protocol. I know it, and I struggle with this one. You know, I've said many times, food was easy for me. I really did not have a problem switching my entire diet. Sure, in the beginning, there were some cravings, but it just wasn't that big of a deal for me. And I've said, it's really easy for me to stay strict around food. And I, I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, I love food, so I, I work at it. I grow food, I preserve food, cook food, I ferment food, all that stuff. And, and when, when you're that into food, then health becomes easier, The other reason I think health-wise, I I tend to be much more disciplined and stick with those things is with all the reading I do. You know, there's lots and lots of good books out there about how diet affects your health. And the more I read, the more I find that it's easier for me to stay disciplined around that. When it comes to stress and how we, we improve stress, Honestly, there aren't that many good books out there at all. In fact, I can't think of, I can't even think of one right now. I'm sure there has to be something. We can go read books on meditation and mindfulness, and we even have a course on mindfulness. Honestly, I just have to say, it's not that any of those things are bad. They're just not really all that effective for all the time and energy you put into learning how to meditate. And we talked about it a lot because it was all we knew. And it was all anybody else knew. If there was something better out there, I would have read it or figured it out. There just, there isn't. I think we're going to see more information and books and courses on this as we move forward. Hell, I should probably write one. Because if, if I were to write a book with everything I know about stress, I could even throw in a good couple of chapters about sleep because sleep and stress really work together. And I could talk about the Stress Busters Protocol. It would actually be a good book. Um, I just hate writing and it's a lot of work. Uh, we will do something with this. But that, um, that is something you really should be focused on. And if you haven't fixed the food part of it first, well, then you do that first. If you fix the food part and you're looking for what's next, I can tell you focus on this protocol and that's where you'll make the biggest improvements in your health. Now, what should you be working on and focusing on after health and Look, it's not like you you have to wait until you are in perfect health to work on the next one. We're, I don't even know what perfect health really is. So you don't want to do too much at once. Focus on health first. Once you kind of feel like you have that under control and you can kind of put that on autopilot, then you can work on another area. And the area I would focus on next would be money. Money is another keystone habit. When people really work on money goals, they tend to see improvements in many other areas of their life as well. So health, clearly a keystone habit. Finances another big keystone habit. So let's move on to that one next. And I'm gonna give you some ideas on how I would do it. Specifically, if you are a business owner, if you are self-employed, if you're an independent contractor, if you're in a lease purchase program, whatever it might be, if you are the one paying your own taxes, then the way I would approach this is I would work on your personal finances first. If you don't have a business, then of course you're going to work on your personal finances first because that's all there is. But if you have a business... This might seem backwards or counterintuitive, but work on your personal finances first. Here's the reason I say that we are heading into a time where owner operators are going to start failing, and there's not going to be any big apparent reason why. The number, the the two biggest reasons why owner operators fail, Unexpected maintenance on a truck, an unexpected breakdown that costs more than you can afford. That's number one. Number two is health. Those are the two biggest reasons we lose on our operators. Both of those things are going to come into play. Stress is a big problem right now. We're going to see people, if they're not addressing their health, we're going to see them get a lot less healthy and it's going to have an impact on their business that's why i said you should focus on your health first the stress levels we're dealing with are already sky high and a recession or stagflation is only going to make that worse but we are going to see owner operators where it's not going to be really apparent why they went out of business it's not going to be a major breakdown It's not going to be a major health issue. What's going to happen is is the rates are going to go down enough. There isn't going to be as much work as there was before. It's certainly not going to pay as much as it did before. And a lot of these owner-operators are going to figure out that their business model doesn't work for them, that they got into the business needing... 70 or 80 or 90 thousand dollars to pay their bills at home, and they were able to make that before. That's changing, you're not going to be able to make that much. So, at some point, a lot of owner operators are just going to realize every month it's getting harder and harder to pay the bills, and at some point, they won't be able to pay them. There's a, I could do a whole show on all the problems that are created by that with taxes and all kinds of things, but it's going to happen. It's not going to be big things that put people out of business. That will happen too, but there's going to be an awful lot that just struggle more and more each month as we work our way down to the bottom, and they're not going to be here to see the bottom and then see the turnaround and they're certainly not going to be taking advantage of any opportunities that's going to happen a lot and there's still time to maybe fix this or at the very least there's still time to at least minimize the damage when it happens And the way you do that is by figuring out how much money you need from the business to pay your personal bills. And if you can't create that amount of profit in the business, then you know you got to get out. But if you are proactive about this, if you start now, that's far better than waiting until You start to realize each month is getting more and more difficult and then you struggle and you think you can turn it around and the longer you try to hold on, the more financial damage you're going to do to your life. So whether you can save it or not isn't really the point. The point is get the numbers, know what you're going to do, and then also be prepared in case you can't save this and you get out as easy as you can with uh, the least amount of damage. So focus on your personal finances first. I've, I've told you about this tool over and over and over. It's the best tool available. It's absolutely free. It's been free for years. I've been using it for years. wonder if I can go back and figure out how long I've been using it. It's a long time. Uh, mint.com. It's an Intuit company, Intuit's the same company that puts out um, TurboTax and QuickBooks and Quicken and uh, just an awesome company in my opinion. I go all the way back, I actually think I was working with Quicken in the late 80s. Quicken was one of the first companies to come out with software that ran under DOS back then, we didn't even have Windows yet. Um so I've been using software from Intuit for a long, long time. Mint is just an awesome service and it's free. And it's always free. And it's not like there's a free version and a paid version. There there's one version. For free, you get all the all the features, all the benefits. Doesn't cost you a thing. Just go to mint.com, you sign up, and then what you do is you take all of your financial information that is online, which is just about everything today. Every bank's online, every mortgage company, um, all the investment companies, all the credit card companies. And what you do is you just start attaching all of your accounts, all of your financial accounts to Mint. So you basically say, okay, I want to add my checking account. And You click on it, you say, here's the bank that I bank at, here's my login information, and Mint pulls all that information in to your account, categorizes it, then you move on. You can put in your credit cards, pulls in all your data. You put in your 401k, your investment accounts, pulls in all the data automatically, and it keeps pulling it in every day. You don't have to do anything after that. Maybe go in and fix a couple categories here or there, but it, it's really an amazing software program. You take your vehicles. And you input the information, year, make, model, mileage, all that stuff. It goes out and gets a value, probably from Kelly Blue Book, I think, um, and then updates the value on your vehicle. You don't have to do it. I just looked, I was shocked at how much my vehicles are still worth. Used truck or used car prices must not be coming down much yet. Um, I I can't believe that my. 15-year-old FJ Cruiser that I paid I think like $21,000 for. uh, I was about six months old when I bought it. uh, It's still worth over $15,000. That's insane. You can put in your home, put in your address, some other things. It will go out and get your home value and keep that updated It's really incredible. Again, your investments, those are all updated every day. Um, Once you get this fully set up, what you're really looking at is being able to see your net worth and having your net worth updated dynamically for you. You don't have to do anything at all. It just gets updated. Your net worth really is, in my opinion, the number one piece of financial information you should be looking at. The goal always is to make your net worth bigger. It's really simple when you break it down like this. Get all the information in there and then you have one number and just focus on making that number bigger. And pretty soon you start to realize this is how you build net worth. You'll see it. It's right there. And, and you don't have to do much work after you get it set up. Getting it set up, I get it. It sounds like a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it, I promise. Now, once you have your personal finances done, you know your net worth, the other thing you're going to know once you get done setting up Mint, it's going to be really easy to say how much money do I need to take out of the business every year to pay my bills and put food on the table, keep the lights on and survive, and during this time, that's all we care about is surviving. If you can contribute to your retirement accounts during this time, you should. But if you find yourself in a position where you can't, then those are some of the things that have to go away. But you have to know the information. You have to be proactive about this. Once you have that done, then the next step, if you own a business, if you don't own a business, then you're done get your health in order get your personal finances in order and then you're going to be in a much better position you're going to be able to make much better decisions if you do own a business you have another step now you know how much money you need from the business can the business generate that and will the business be able to generate that when we hit the bottom and we have to predict what the bottom's going to look like. What are the rates going to be? How long are they going to be that bad? Um, but that's your step. Now, I'll give you the tool to do that as well. And in the beginning, it will be free. You get it free for 30 days at least so you can get up and running and get this done. It's profit gauges, our software. It will help you get your business numbers in order. You'll know exactly how much, Your business can profit and throw off, and we'll be able to look at numbers and see how we could make those numbers better. So there's the outline. If you haven't started on any of these things, you know exactly what you should be working on. If you have started on some, then just move on to the next thing. And if you've really got all of this taken care of, there's still plenty you can do to sharpen the saw. Lots of good reading. There's lots of skills that that, um, you should be developing. But for most people, there's always work to be done here. You can always go back. If you've done it before, go back and do it again, review it again. But if you haven't done it, this is the key. If you want the best possible outcome from what we're about to go through right now, then this is what you would be doing. All right. Uh, I have a couple more things I want to talk about on this topic, but um, phone calls. We don't have any today. I don't know what's going on. Lately, this week and most of the last week, the phone lines were pretty well slammed. Uh, I don't know if you're just waiting for me to finish, but I'm not finishing until I see some phone calls. I can talk all day. Um, But I'd really rather talk about what's on your mind today. Um, I've got some more things on this I want to talk about. I will. I have some other things I could talk about, but uh, jump in and join us. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, 855-950-3835. All right. So once I lay that out, doesn't that seem pretty simple, That's what you should be focused on right now. That's the best thing, the best things you could be doing to get through what we're going to face for the next year or two. Now, what you need is the motivation to get started. I get this. This is not stuff we really look forward to doing. I really believe it's stuff we want to do. It's not always easy to do. So, what kind of things can we do? Boy, the calls are coming in now. Uh, You were just waiting for me to tell you. All right, um, so I'll wrap this idea up pretty quick and I'll get to your calls. So, but here's the way I would approach this. For everybody, we could all use a little extra motivation. First off, I want you to think about something. I came on the air sometime back in 2017, said the party's going to end soon. We need to get prepared for it. May have been a little off on our timing, but I said, here's what you do. Here's the plan. Pay down debt, save cash. I said it over and over and over and over. A lot of people did it. I know they did. I get the calls all the time. I get emails and messages. You know, here's what I did. Thank you. But if you didn't, and I know a lot of you didn't, if you didn't, what does that feel like right now? And this isn't me throwing it in your face and saying, I told you so. It's me trying to help you so that it doesn't happen again. Because I know what it would feel like right now because I've done it in the past. I've been through these cycles. I knew what I should have been doing and I wasn't doing it. And I, every time I would start to see the opportunities and I would be pissed at myself because I would say, I can't take advantage of that opportunity because I didn't do this a year ago. I didn't start this process. And because of that, I'm missing out on these opportunities. And I used that to motivate me to get me to the point where I am now, where I am, as much as I hate the suffering a lot of people are going to go through in this, I'm looking forward to this because this is the first time for me, really. Um, I was in a fairly good position to take advantage of the downturn in 08 in fact we bought some real estate during that time uh made some good purchases but I, i i wasn't as prepared as i wish i would have been this time i am though so use that to motivate you use it to say look if i would have just started a year ago if i would have started five years ago boy where would i be now But even if I just started a year ago, look at where I would be. Well, I can promise you a year from now, you're going to say the same thing. Oh, if I only would have just started, if I would have, that's correct. So start right now. And then a year from now, you won't have that same regret. Jump in and get started. If you have any questions on how, Call me. I love talking about this stuff. You can call me every single day. I'll I'll help you every day with this issue. But you got to jump in and do the hard work. All right. Let's get to the phone calls. Let's get started today in Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program.
1: Well, hello there, Kevin.
0: Good morning. What's on your mind today?
1: Well, for once, I didn't ask you how you are.
0: Uh, that's a, there's an <laughs> improvement. That's right. I'm awesome today, by hey. the way.
1: Um, oil sample. And then I, I just got to make a statement about something else. Do you see the oil sample?
0: Uh, no. When did you send it?
1: Um, and just loaded it and sent it to you. I think oh, wait a I minute. put okay. it on trucking tribe last no, night.
0: No, I, ENG did send it to me in chat. I was looking at, holy cow.
1: Yeah, I like that. I don't even have a box of
0: crayons. Hey, maybe we have something here. You know, fuel prices are through the roof. I think your truck is starting to produce fuel.
1: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) The problem is I'm going to blow the oil pan off the bottom of
0: it. Yeah, if you're not careful, you're going to. 7.7% fuel dilution. Now, if I can do a little bit of math in my head here, um, we've got 11 gallons of oil in there. So, uh, Uh, Pete
1: Sharp guessed three quarts.
0: I, yeah, I was just about to say we must have about three quarts of fuel in your oil. That's a lot.
1: Well, not now because I change it. I know about the OPS. But I just can't get there, uh, so I do the complete service every eighteen thousand thereabout. Okay. Um, if you look, if you look above, you see the one in orange. the five four. I think it is. Yeah. At that time, it got its second set of injectors in the last about nine months. Oh. And it got, it got a new OE fuel pump, you know, from Detroit that's on the back of a compressor there. And they took away the fast fuel system completely because they suspected, they being Detroit Diesel, suspected that might be a, a cause. And I sent the pump too fast. And they did say, yes, it is over-pumping, so they sent me a new one back, no charge, but I've never put it back on because, quite frankly, I spent enough chasing this. Right. So I had three right. good samples, as you see, and now all of a sudden I got this. Of course, Pete's way out to get into his place. Another guy local, he's two months out, so I guess I'll go back to Williams Diesel in Columbus. They're only a week out but at what point do you say Bofangula Christine that's what I named the truck Christine my wife named it cuz it it's like it's possessed <laughs> it does weird stuff like the car from the movie <laughs> at what point do you say Bofangula on you girl and buy something else and then leaving out the price of what they are now totally just leave that out of the picture what in the world do you even trust i
0: don't know no I, I this is a tough place to be you spent money on injectors it fixed the problem here we are less than a year later and the problem's back again and my only answer the only way to fix this I, i'm 90 plus percent sure it's injectors again and that sucks I, I, how frustrating! Yes, oh my God, this makes me crazy. And but what can I tell you? you? You have to put another set of injectors in and hope. And and it just I I can't yeah. believe we're at this place um, that we can't depend on parts like this. So your question though, at what point? <sighs> And I don't know. Um, I, I would have to say, <laughs> if it were me, and that, sometimes that's the only way I can answer a question like that, is to put myself in that position, remember what it was like.
1: Just like Dave Ramsey.
0: Yeah, I, I, and trust me, I remember what it was like. I know what it was like Sit with a truck sitting in the shop and trying to decide, should I spend money on it again, or is it just time to get rid of it? Um, I, I I think the decision I would make right now is I would try one more set of injectors, but that would be the last. If if they fail again in anything less than two years, um, I, I would start looking for another truck.
1: Yeah, May of twenty one, the first set was put in September twenty one, the second set was put in. Now we are basically July twenty two. And I wonder, is it possible that maybe it's not really injectors this time? Could I have cracked an injector cup and can you change them without taking yeah. the head off? You know, don't we, know.
0: We, we don't tend to get a lot of fuel dilution. I don't believe you can change injector. Cu- well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I don't know. Um, I, I, but I don't think it's injector cups. Typically, when injector cups fail, we get coolant issues. Because that cup is Ah. the cup is really separating the fuel in the injector system, in the fuel system. It's protecting it and separating it from the coolant that's running through the block and around those cups. So when a cup fails, Ah, then we tend to start pressurizing the, the coolant system and putting fuel into the coolant. That's typically what we see. When we are getting fuel in the oil, um, injectors are number one, pump could be number two, turbo sometimes can cause this, but it, it, it it's almost a slam dunk that this is going to be injectors again. Of course, we could test them first, but... If it turns out to be injectors, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. I think I would have to try one more time just because going out and buying another truck is a big deal. And the timing still isn't very good right now.
1: Right. I'm kind of thinking that December, February, the $65,000, 500,000 mile truck is going to be back to where it's. Ought to so, be and even below, uh, and you'll uh, probably get that truck for
0: eighteen. I, I was going to say those might be, become become twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollar trucks, and then I'd be out buying one. If we were in a market like that, where you could get one of those trucks for twenty five or even thirty thousand today, I might consider it. But I, I don't think we're there yet. And like I said, changing trucks just a big deal. I mean, there's a lot to it. One, you got to get rid of this one, and yeah, I. I as much as I would hate to, I think I would bite the bullet and try one more set of injectors.
1: Okay. So how convenient is it that the EIA webpage just took a dump? It's bye-bye. They're not reporting anything on the highest weekly (laughs) average that I have been following. It is still down this week, last week. Also, I found yesterday that it's going to be back the 29th, which is next Wednesday. So surcharge just kind of stays stagnant. Is sleepy Joe and the funky bunch now trying to correct surcharge and control it too. Oh my God.
0: I I, unbelievable. I'm with you. What the hell are they thinking? If they're thinking, um, One of the things I talked about as soon as fuel prices started doing this, I, you know, I talk about the, the surcharge keeps most of us protected, but we see a lot of people fail simply because the surcharge is just a week behind. That's enough to push some of these people over the edge. And now if it's weeks behind, there will be people who fail just for that reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I I was talking to my company. I said, you know, the EIA is not the creme de la creme. They are not the only place you can get data. I told them about truck miles powered by pro miles. Yeah. That you can go there or for that matter, why don't you just pick a station that's down the street from every terminal that you have There's the price this week. I just drove by it coming in and based the surcharge on whatever that station says. Of course that's not going to happen.
0: No, I, I think that's a great idea. It, it, it adapt and adjust, and, and it, it benefits everybody. It benefits our shippers. It benefits our, our owner-operators if we have them. Um, you're absolutely right. But, you know, who expected that after all these years of that system working that the government just decides now we're going to stop publishing that data? All right, Herschel, had to cut you loose. The, uh, the phone calls are stacking up on me. We're going to go to uh, Texas, BJ. Welcome to the program. Uh, BJ- Hello, Kevin.
2: Oh, um, there you I are. Don't know if it's me, and the system that i uh, really cut it out really
0: bad. Yeah, I think it might You're be right? you, but let's give it a try.
2: Okay, um, I just wanted to let you know or see if you've seen on the news they had a way of charging electric cars that they're working on right now. And uh, they're talking about putting strips in uh, in the highway and you tra- you travel and charge your vehicle at the same time.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's actually pretty damn okay. cool.'ve I've talked about this. The first um, application of this is probably going to be somewhat limited and it will probably be installed at intersections, stop signs, traffic lights. Um, for one, the technology's a little easier to do the slower the vehicle's going and while it's parked. Um, so, you're going to see probably that first that as you're coming to an intersection at a certain point, the charging infrastructure starts and you'll get these little micro charges every time you're stopping somewhere. But eventually, we could see technology where cars will charge continuously from the road itself.
2: Yeah, and the big part of it is we won't need to have such big battery capacity then. So that's a big problem solved right there.
0: It it really solves a lot of issues. You know, the idea of range, which is, you know, our biggest concern that changes right. dramatically the need to build out a lot of charging stations everywhere. That would be greatly reduced. the, The, you know, people are annoyed, even if it, you know, we have electric vehicles now where you can get an 80% charge in 30 minutes, but people don't want to sit around for 30 minutes. You know, they, they, they are used (laughs) to pulling in, you get gas that takes three or four minutes and you're on your way. Obviously it takes longer in a truck, but charging truck batteries is going to take longer too. So it, it really is. A pretty amazing technology if they're able to pull it off. Now, again, that's not going to happen overnight. And even when they get the technology right, right, there's still a lot of work to go build that into our infrastructure. Oh, yeah. But those are the ways we should be thinking. We've had internal combustion engines for 150 years, and we're still improving those so why wouldn't we constantly be improving the entire experience with electric vehicles? There's no doubt. I, I don't think anybody can, can say that electric vehicles are not the future. They are. Unless we get some other technology that we don't even know of yet, um, electric vehicles are the future. They're already starting. There'll be more and more of them every single year, and we will see better and better technologies, things we can't even imagine right now. There's been a lot of talk in the news. I was thinking about maybe making it my topic tomorrow. I don't know. um, About solid state batteries again. A lot of companies are working on solid state batteries, and that would change a lot as well.
2: I think we're heading that direction.
0: Certainly seems like it.
2: That's all I have,
0: Kevin. All right. Thanks for the call. That's all I need. Let's go to uh, Arizona. Perry, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your yeah, mind today? I got
2: just a quick question. Well, um my 401k, I'm a company driver, and I'm contributing, I believe, 10%, and they'll match me 50 cents on the dollar up to, I think, 7%. Should I cut back to that 7% and just kind of put it off to the side, and I could throw it in later, or can I not do that?
0: Uh, you can do that, yeah. Yeah. Um it's hard to go wrong by cutting down to the 7% just so you're getting your match. Then we decide what do we do with the rest Uh of the money? The only downside to this strategy is if you cut back to 7% and then you don't do anything with the money, you don't save it. You don't invest it. I I don't want you to do that, but yeah, if, if we can come up with a better plan, then you should. So the question would be, are, do you know what, funds you're able to invest in um no i haven't really looked into it i just and the reason i ask that my mind it,
2: and you were
0: yeah the reason i ask that it, it's pretty rare but every now and then i find an employer plan that has good options to invest into like they have an s&p 500 index fund Well, if that's the case, then put as much as you want into that account because we have the proper investments we want. Many times, though, on the employer plan, I don't like the options they offer. That's when we say only put in enough to get your match. We'll pick the best funds we can out of what they offer. Then we'd rather take the rest of your money and go invest it on your own so we can choose the funds we want. Does that part make sense so far?
2: Okay, so the thing to do because I could actually, you know, put in more than what I'd be more than the you know, different three percent or whatever, but uh, I wasn't sure how to go about that. But yeah, you just gave me an idea. I'll go ahead and start a Roth IRA on my own.
0: Correct. Now the next question would be, how old are you? Yeah. I'm 67. So yeah, I'm about maxed out there. Yeah. When, when do you think you're going to want to be able to access the money you're now investing?
2: I'm shooting to work till 70 at
0: least. Okay. So Um, here's here's the thing then. You need to start working your way out of the market. You need to start rebalancing. Okay. And and honestly, you should have started rebalancing about eight years ago. But we didn't. And so now what's yeah, happened eight, eight is. Eight years ago. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been with these guys for seven years. And, you know, this is
2: really all I got. I
0: had no 401k okay. at all until I started here. Okay, so you just need to start moving that out slowly into cash. Um, here's really what I would recommend for you right now I would go find a good certified financial planner that works on a fee base. What I mean is, you tell them. I I want you to look over all of my financial picture. I want you to look over my investments, my savings, whatever debt I have, my insurance policies, whatever. And I want you to create a financial plan for the rest of my life for retirement. And they'll give you a price. They'll say, okay, we can do that for 500 bucks. You're paying them to get the plan you'll find a ton of financial investors that are going to tell you, "Oh, j- just come to us. You don't have to pay us anything. We'll make you Those are the people you want to stay away from. Nobody does anything for free. Right. They're going to get their money through heavily commissioned products and they're going to sell you what they make the most money on. I want to pay a planner so that he's looking out for my best interest. He's going to get his $500 no matter what investment he recommends in my portfolio. So he has no incentive to recommend a product just because he's getting a better commission on that product. But you, you need that right now. I, I wish I could help you, but I, I can't. I need to see things like tax returns and you know all, what what's invested right now and what your options are. And but you are at that point where it, it would be worth it to spend that. 500 or even $1,000 to get a good plan. You're at that point in life where, where those decisions are pretty important. If you were 35, I could say, eh, don't worry about it. Just keep putting as much money into those accounts as you can. And, and don't worry about the market. But at your age, we can't do that. We, we need to, to try to go in there and protect yeah. your assets as much as we can now. Yeah, Okay, so basically, go ahead and cut back to
2: the 7% or cut back? I wouldn't
0: wouldn't cut back anything right now. Instead, since we know you need a financial plan, a, a whole plan, let's not make any decisions until we just get the whole plan done. Oh, okay, yeah. Because you're the, right. the person yeah, you're going to pay might be able to look at your company plan and go, oh, no, there's some great options in here we could invest in. And then we wouldn't want to cut back to the 7%. Okay. So we're at All the right. point where we need more information oh. right now. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Cool. Well, I'm glad I called
0: you. <laughs> well, good. There you go. Now you've got something to go All work right. on. All right. There you go. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Love working on that kind of stuff with people, by the way. Let's go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program.
3: I guess my question today is that I was working on the book The Seven Habits and he was explaining the the four quadrants. And I, I guess I'm not quite understanding it, but could you explain it to me? I mean, how to organize your life in the four quadrants and become I, a quadrant two personality?
0: I can and and I'm glad you asked that's a really good topic. I almost forgot about that in the book, uh, but that is a really powerful tool. Um I want to go bring that up. I should be able to find that pretty quick. Uh, seven habits, quadrants. I just want to make sure I'm using the same words they use on this. Um, so I should be able to pull up an image of that. I mean,
3: here. he went through it. Like you said, you got to listen to it. I've listened to it a couple times and I, I still, I mean, I'm kind of an emergency, you know, fire footer outer. And this yeah. is the part of my life that I need to help on.
0: Yeah. Almost everybody is. When you find people that can really manage this quadrant well, they are really successful people. Um, One of the people I've mentioned once in a while that I've always been impressed with in business, um, Todd Amon from ATBS just, um, just an amazing guy when it comes to business. What I, what I tend to find in business, there are people who are really good at big picture stuff, and there are people who are really good at detail stuff, and both of them are important. Very seldom do I find people who are good at both. I am really good at big picture, but I'm not good at detail. So I, I have to make up for that somehow. And, and I'm not saying I married Lisa for this reason, but it's certainly a nice bonus. Um, Lisa is really good at detail stuff, but sometimes she has a hard time seeing the big picture. So I can say, look, here's the big picture. Here's what we need to do. And then I know she can organize all those details and get them done. This quadrant helps you do that Um, yourself and it's certainly worth working on so here's the idea behind this quadrant we're looking at things that are we're looking at like our actions what are we going to work on what are we going to focus on and we need to look at things that are urgent and things that are important and things that aren't urgent and things that aren't important and what we find is we break this up. You take a square, you draw a square on a piece of paper, put an X across in the middle of the square, not an X, but across, and then you have four squares. And these four squares are the quadrants we're talking about. So in the top left, you would w- write quadrant one, top right, quadrant two, three, and four. And in quadra- quadrant one, these are things that are both important and they're urgent. And what do those two words mean? Important. Important means it's something you should do. If you do it, your life will get better or, or whatever it is we're working on will get better. It's something important. So, uh, and then urgent means so it's things something like family, the business. Yeah. Like we could go through some examples and I think that'll help people. Then, then the other part is urgent. Meaning if it doesn't get done at a certain time, then it, it doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, it has to get done now or it's never going to get done. That's kind of how we should think about urgent. Now, um, let's, let's apply this to my plan that I outlined for people this morning, work on your health first. Is that important? Yes. Is it urgent? No. Good. Well- you- Video you you got answer. the correct answer. A lot of people would say, well, yeah, if it's important, it must be urgent. No, see, that's the part you have to learn about life. Most of the really important things that we should be working on are not urgent. We should make them urgent, but life doesn't make them urgent. And we'll see what kind of things are urgent. Um, we need to make this urgent a priority make it urgent but it's really not health would be one of those things that are important but not urgent we would put those in quadrant two so when i say they're not urgent what what we mean by that is there is nothing that would force you to do this you can put this off in fact you can put it off for your entire life and most people do there, there's nothing urgent about this. If it, if, if it were urgent, more people would be doing it, but it's not. You can put off your health for your whole life, and that's how you know. Is it urgent or not, or can you put it off if you want? Yeah, you can put it off. No big deal. It is a big deal, but life doesn't make it a big deal. You have to. So what kinds of things would be important and urgent? Um let me give you a really simple one. If you are driving right now in a truck and you look down and your fuel gauge is somewhere under a quarter of a tank, is getting fuel today important? Yep. And is it urgent?
3: Yeah, it's yeah. under a quarter.
0: Yeah, it's important it's and looking. it's urgent. Now, we would think that important and urgent things are the are the those must be the things we should really work on right those are the things that are going to change our life no they're not this is the problem getting fuel today is not going to do a thing to make me more successful if I don't do it I'm going to fail even worse but do it is me getting fuel today going to change my life in any significant way no. <laughs> no. And that's the problem. Most things that are both important and urgent, so we have to do them and they need to be done at a certain time, those are the things that end up filling up our life. And we never get beyond those. A, so
3: that's a quadrant one, right?
0: Yeah, quadrant one important and urgent. I have to get fuel. It's important that I do it. It, it, It's urgent. I'm out and I I need to get my freight delivered. That goes in quadrant one and we have to do it. What we have to start realizing though, is we can't let quadrant one run our life. And that's how most people run their life and their business. They are stuck between quadrant one things that are important and urgent, they have to do them. And, and then also they get stuck a lot in quadrant four. Quadrant four is it's not urgent and it's not important. What kind of things would fit into this that people waste an awful lot of time on these days?
3: Playing video games.
0: Yeah, social uh. media. Yeah, devices. Let's say that almost all of these habits fall into a category with some sort of a device. Uh, You know, people who can't put their phone down, they're constantly on that damn phone. They're at a restaurant, they're with their family, they're constantly looking at their phone, um, they're on social media, they can't wait to see how many more likes they got, or they're playing a video game over and over and over, or they're playing Wordle or whatever. Um, those things are not important, and they're not urgent, and yet that's where I, honestly, there are more people today stuck in quadrant four than there are even in quadrant one. The, the people who you look around and think are probably pretty good at business and they're doing okay. They're probably stuck in quadrant one. They're busy all the time. They're working. They're never going to make any big breakthrough though. The people who are stuck in quadrant four are the ones who just barely make it through life. I mean, they're they're barely paying their bills. They're they're not going to do anything extraordinary at that point. Um, the only quadrant we haven't covered yet is um, is quadrant three, and right. this one you just don't ever really want to be in much at all. These are things that are urgent but not important. Um, idiots live here. This is where these are those people who thrive on showing everybody how busy they are. Oh my God, I'm so busy. Oh, I have so much to do. Oh, I've got another meeting. Oh, I've got to do this. They're they're, it. They are constantly working and busy and stressed out and that they've got lists. And, but what we find is if you look at about 90% of what they're doing, it's urgent, but it's not important. You know, other people will, will try to push you into things that are urgent, but probably not important. Um, so that's kind of the way we organize this whole thing. And we really want to spend as much time as possible on quadrant two items, things that are important, but not urgent. And because they're not urgent, we almost never get to them no matter how important they are. You know, another way of saying this, all of the stuff that's in quadrant two are er, important, but not urgent. That's the same as me saying, do the hard work. All of the hard work falls into quadrant two.
3: Okay. So quadrant one is mundane things that you have to do like getting fuel. And uh The important thing at the quadrant two is health things, things that you work on long-term that are important. Quadrant three are busy work, like uh, going to meetings and following lists. And quadrant four is just wasting time watching TV or something stupid like that.
0: Yes. Now let's talk a little bit more about quadrant four quadrant three we want to stay away from as much as we possibly can you don't want to get stuck in quadrant three things and most people in business do quadrant one we just have to deal with get them over with get them out of the way quadrant Two is where we want to focus and put all our effort into the hard work, the things we know we should do but probably don't want to. We should go get our net worth in order and, and create a budget or a financial plan. We know we should. We know it would be better. But it's not urgent. Nobody's pushing you to do it. Now, quadrant four isn't all bad. You know, what's the phrase? All work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. It, we, no matter how important those things are, the hard work, you got to take a break, too. So quadrant four is important. We just can't live there. I mean, you can't spend all of your time there, but I should be spending time in quadrant four. That's kind of where I recharge. It's kind of, you know, for me, quadrant so vacations four.
3: and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, quadrant four for me right now, this time of year, is the garden and reading. Quadrant four, and reading, right now, I'm reading more novels than anything else. I just somehow discovered David Baldacci. I know he's been around forever. I don't know how I missed reading his books. But now that I've started on them, I'm binging them. I mean, I'm reading a book a day right now. But they're just novels. I mean, that, uh, reading a novel is quadrant four. It's not important, it's not urgent, but it, it's, that's how I kind of unplug, relax a little bit, and that recharges me so I can get back to the really important stuff in quadrant two.
3: Okay. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's you're,
0: awesome. You're welcome. Thank you for bringing that up. I know I've talked about this book a lot, and I don't think I've ever really spent much time on that, and that is a really, really powerful tool. So thank you for bringing that up. And I need to remember that. I need to, you know, there's so much in that book that if I don't go back and really dig into it, if I just work from memory, I'll forget things like that. And that's a a really good tool. Let's go to Virginia. Mike, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Kevin, three questions. We'll start with number one, I guess.
0: Yep, go ahead.
4: I... No, you
0: know what? I started I, I, my own. I, uh, I, I changed my mind. Let's start with number three. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh,
4: I bought a truck in February, so I started my twenty-two ninety in January. Okay. I know it. I know there's no stupid questions. I don't need to do anything till next June, right? Correct. On oh, fi- yeah. filing a new one?
0: Yeah, you, you should have paid okay. the partial. And the period for 2290 runs from July 1st till June, June 30 yeah. days in June. Right. So when you say next, right. you, we're talking about right now. Right now, today. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we're, I think you have till the end of July to file it.
4: Yeah, but I, I didn't start it till just that Correct. January. That but, just came
0: January. Uh, now, let, let me say something, and I hate to admit this, but I'm going to. I used to know 2290 rules inside and out backwards, forwards, you can wake me up at three o'clock in the morning. They've changed some over the years. And for some reason, nobody ever asks me about this anymore. So I have to admit as much as I hate to, even though this is, it's a very specific trucking topic, I'm not, completely positive that i'm up on the rules the way i should be i really need to just go back and read 2290 again to make sure that something hasn't changed here's the way i understand it here's the way it used to work if you would have filed in january you would have paid for january to the end of june 30th which is today meaning you need to now start paying for July first, and I believe you have. Maybe it's even you have till the end of August. Maybe the end of the month following the month you started July. But I I believe if you go back and look, you did not pay five hundred and fifty dollars on January. You would have paid a smaller amount than that. You would have paid a prorated amount. Correct then the, so that right. prorated amount paid up for you until today so now you need to refile and start paying for a full year okay i thought so i wasn't sure the the one change Question that two. the one change that i think they made that i need to go back and get my head around is how the partial years work I believe it used to be that you always paid a full year, and if you sold the truck, the credit carried over to somebody else. I think they made a change in that, and that's why I don't wanna say I I understand this for sure. My guess is though, if you paid a partial in January, now you're on the cycle where you're gonna start your full year right now.
4: I got you. All right, question two. The truck I did buy, I'm getting uh, 6.3 miles per gallon fully loaded right now, and I'd like to improve that. Um, I'm on 11R24.5. I'm in 10th gear, 70 miles an hour. I'm at 1,500 RPM. What can I do to improve that? Drive 60. Mileage. I did that. My first te- all day yesterday. I drove sixty, and it on the dash it showed the same.
0: Hey, hey, uh, I was having a hard hey, time with the hills. Hey, hey, Mike. Yeah. You know they tell me that um, push-ups are really good for you. I did three of them yesterday. I don't notice any difference at all. <laughs> keep doing it, huh? Absolutely. All right. One day doesn't tell us anything. Really doesn't. We need a month. Now, now what I could tell somebody is, look, if you, you really want to prove that slowing down is going to save you fuel, we could show it in a week. A month is better, but I, I can show you in a week. Sometimes I can't show you in a day too many variables. Also, we can't trust that dash number. If you know, if you've done the work, so you've tracked your fuel mileage with true numbers, mileage to mileage, tank to tank, and you've compared it to your dash and your dash is accurate, then okay, trust your dash. But if you haven't done that, I've seen dash readings that are a mile per gallon off. So I I don't trust the dash reading. I've also seen dash readings that aren't consistent. Some days they seem to be pretty darn close to accurate. Other days they're way off. So we have to work with real numbers first, and then you can kind of calibrate your dash and go, yeah, I know my dash is pretty close, so I can use it. But here's the thing. It's just physics. It's impossible to make a vehicle go faster with less fuel. it's just physics can't do it now can we change a truck so that when it goes faster it doesn't lose as much fuel economy yeah we could do that we and joel's talked about it henry albert did a thing where you know he wanted to be able to drive faster yes we can improve fuel economy at faster speeds but the fuel economy will always be better at lower speeds It's it's just physics So if for some reason a truck does a test like this and in real true numbers, the fuel economy went down when they went faster, then we have to go figure out why something's wrong. Charger coolers blown out or, or there's some reason why it's happening because again, it's just physics. So that's one thing we can do. What else could we do? All kinds of things probably, we could dig into the truck and start modifying. First off, we should make sure everything about this truck is right. Is the charger cooler leaking? Do you know? Have you tested it?
1: I don't know how to test that.
0: Okay, two ways. I'm there's
3: glad there's no leaking
1: coming outside of the truck.
0: You won't. There is no way to know that a charger cooler is leaking without testing it. It's not like a radiator. When a radiator leaks, we physically see the the coolant on the ground. We can't see air. And that's all that's in a charge air cooler is air. So when it leaks air, we we can't see it. You're probably not going to hear it. So there's two ways we can test it. We can pressure test it. And I actually created a video a long time ago. I don't know if I could find it again or not. Just for the fun of it, just that I showed you could do it. I, and this was when I was still driving a Class A truck pulling our our trailer, our show trailer. Um, I pulled into a Home Depot. You could do it at a Walmart, you could do it at a Lowe's, at a hardware store, wherever. And with $50, I bought everything I needed to test the charger cooler myself and did it in the parking lot. The entire thing took me about two hours going into the store, buying things, coming out, building my test kit, and then testing the truck took me about two hours and under 50 bucks. And I I even bought a drill because you needed a drill to do this. I bought a drill. I bought the drill bits. I bought the parts I needed. And obviously I bought cheap stuff, but I did it. Um, Basically we take the big hoses and boots off the both sides of the charger cooler. We plug up one side, we put a, we take a big plastic cap and we put a Schrader valve in it and a pressure gauge. And then we clamp that into the other side of the charger cooler and we start to pressurize it with the Schrader valve. That's, That's just the tire valve. And we bring it up to 35, 40 pounds and watch to see if it loses pressure If it loses any pressure at all, something's wrong. There's a leak somewhere. The OEMs will, uh, Cummins, I think, allows up to a five-pound loss in 30 seconds or something. It's way too much. In my opinion, any loss is too much. If if you have a loss of pressure, that means something's leaking somewhere and leaks only get worse. The other way to test it, and I actually like to do both, requires a smoke machine, a good smoke machine, probably one that costs about $1,000 or more. They're hard to find. Truck shops don't carry them. Automotive shops do because they use them to test their vacuum systems. Um, in that case, we... We take the air cleaner out. We put a plastic bag around it. We stick it back in so we seal off that end of the system. Then we go to the intake manifold, and there should be a quarter-inch tap in there like an ether port. And we can take that tap out, screw in a fitting for our smoke machine. We start running smoke into the intake manifold, and it will fill the whole system up with smoke all the way back to the air cleaner. Now we can see the air because it's smoke now. So if there is air coming out of anywhere in the system, the charger, cooler, the boots, the hoses, the turbo, anywhere, we're going to see the smoke and know we have a leak.
4: Ah.
0: Now. um,
4: Like I'm going to, I got a project.
0: Yeah, now since we're talking about fuel economy and all the things we could possibly do, and virtually every truck is different. What engine do you have, what transmission, what gears, what tires, all of those things determine what we can change. The first thing we should do is make sure everything's working right. Charger, cooler was just one. We should make sure the overhead's set properly. We should pull an oil sample because that'll tell us if everything's right. That's the first step in getting better fuel economy is, is fixing all those things. Then we can make a list of what modifications we could make. We could shortcut this whole process and you could drop your truck off at one place, go hang out at a hotel for a day or so and get all this done for you. And Pittsburgh Power would be the company to do it. They can pressure test your charger cooler. They can smoke test it. They know every modification you could do to improve fuel economy on that truck. And they could make this list for you.
4: Yes. I like the sound of that better.
0: It, it's a really great system. They have, uh, they have a mechanic there. Um, great guy, by the way. I got a chance to hang out with him not that long ago when I was there. He does something they call the Hawkeye Report. This guy is so good at spotting things wrong with trucks. So that's part of this. You're going to walk in and you're going to say, look, I want a Hawkeye report and I want to know what I can do to improve my fuel economy. And he's going to go through that truck and he's going to look for things for fuel mileage, but he's also going to look for maintenance items. He's going to say, look, you probably got, you know, 60,000 miles on your your rear brake shoes so you know you're going to need that at you know in six months or whatever Um, this is cracked we should probably replace this then they're going to be able to give you a list here's all the things you can do to improve fuel economy here's how much it's cost it would cost us to do those things and here's how much it would save you and then you just work from that list it's a great system
4: yeah i'm gonna have to plan that for sure there you go all right. Question three. Yep. You, what is that? Uh, is that a torsion bar that goes from your frame to your differential? Uh, I don't know what it's called, but you know what bar I'm talking about.
0: I, I do. What truck? And what, bar. What truck and what suspension?
4: Um, airliner on a Coronado.
0: Okay. What about the bar?
4: Uh, when I bought this truck, I noticed that the, uh, bushing inside was eaten away that rubber bushing. So I just went and bought a whole new bar, put it in there, had a really hard time getting it in there. Now I see why the bushing was, uh, is in an awkward position. It was really hard to get back in, but I did.
0: So and one, so that, of, the, that is, go ahead. one of the things that can happen on that suspension, um, the, a couple of things can happen. The U-bolts tend to stretch, and they get a little loose, and then that whole axle can shift a little bit, and that may be what's causing Ooh. this. Um, Pittsburgh Power, since you're, you want to yeah. go there for the fuel stuff, they can look at that and figure it out as well and fix it they know how to fix that particular problem or any md alignment shop is really good at this so if you happen to be near kansas city and you can stop in and see chad or um, they're aware of this issue but i'm pretty sure that's probably what caused all the binding on that arm
4: perfect that was my three questions i appreciate you
0: you're welcome thanks for the call all right, we, um, we're going to grab one more call here and then we're going to wrap this up and then uh, we're going to take a half hour break and at 10 o'clock Pacific time, which I guess would be one o'clock Eastern time, um, we'll head on into Rolling Toe with Mike and Kevin Beckett. So we'll take a call, then we'll take a break, then we'll come back with Rolling Toe. Let's go to Alabama. Kendall, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, Kevin. First time caller or long time listener?
0: Well, great to have you here. What's uh, on your mind got to today? Meet
2: you, I got to meet you at Louisville at the truck show. Oh, good. Uh, my questions about these uh, electric trucks. I hear everything but the weights, how heavier they're going to be. I'm in the drive bolt business, so weight's real critical to me
0: yeah that's a really good question and i haven't seen really reliable final numbers yet and for you i haven't either yeah for you those are critically important that may be the deciding factor in weight sensitive operations now what i can tell you is for the general freight market dry van even a lot of flatbed operations for the most part weight isn't a super critical factor so here's what they will do with these trucks what they're already doing they will find the balance between weight and range if we want more range, we can just put in more batteries and that gives us more range. But batteries are heavy. If we go to solid state batteries, it's a whole new game. They're much lighter. But as of now, they they will balance it out. They'll put as much battery as they can possibly squeeze in there to get the best range they can, and they will give up a little bit on the weight side. And that may be why, in the beginning, weight-sensitive operations might not move to electric trucks because of that. I
2: can say why. I mean, you know, I could, that's just taking money out of my pocket you know uh, well
0: it, it, yeah you know when air
2: freight could really benefit you know?
0: <laughs> exactly so you know when we talk about weight sensitive operations that every bit of payload you can put on the truck every time pays more money that's when you start seeing people spend, you know, quite a bit of money on something like an aluminum fifth wheel and, and aluminum brake drums just to cut down a little bit of weight. And and on the surface, you look at that and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's a lot of money. And I'm not really saving much fuel when I cut out a couple hundred pounds. But what we do by cutting out a couple hundred pounds, that's a couple more hundred pounds of payload every time. That pays more. So in an operation where the, the freight is paid by the weight, weight is a really important factor in speccing the truck. It is. It is. But in a lot of operations, but it's not important all I- at all. In my operation, pulling FedEx doubles when half the time, no, all of the time, we didn't even know what our weight was. But for the most part, it was going to be fairly light. And I I didn't spend any money when I spec'd a truck to try to make it lighter. It it just wasn't worth it.
2: Yeah. I'm right the opposite. I look at everything, you know. uh, How can I lighten it up a little bit more? Yeah,
0: well, let's think about this for a second. Tell me about your operation. Like, what is a typical day for you?
2: Uh, well, I run like in the southeast region. Uh, I pull the end dumps, but everything you know is paid by the ton. I do very little grain, but you know when I do it, you know by the bushel. Okay. Uh, See so, a lot of a lot of back roads and yeah, you know so. Intersect 65,
0: Let me give you an example of how we might think about this going forward in the future. What we're saying right now is the truck they're probably going to bring out fully electric may just be too heavy for you. You wouldn't even want to look at it. But let's think about this. What if you were in an operation where it is weight sensitive and it pays by the weight and you also had a controlled area? Like you worked in the same basic area every day. And what if we could, we know that sometime during that day, we have 30 minutes. We're supposed to take a 30-minute break every day anyway. And we know that we could always be near a charger. So we know that we can get another 80% charge during the workday. What if, now let's think about today's trucks, if you go try to buy a truck today with an internal combustion engine, it, it, there, it's almost impossible to say, I want to take 3,000 pounds off the weight of that truck, right? There's, there's nothing we could take off today's trucks that's going to save us 3,000 pounds. But in a battery truck, if I know that I don't need all that range and I can charge during the day, what if I just cut my batteries in half? I might say five or 6,000 pounds. Yeah. So, in the future, as we get more and more options, now an electric truck might be the perfect thing in some weight sensitive operations because we could fairly easily pick and choose how much battery to put in the truck, and the amount of battery we put in directly impacts the weight. We can't do that today. We don't have any options. You can't take one engine out and say, I'm going to put in an engine that's 6,000 pounds lighter. They don't exist. No.
2: No, they
0: don't. Or sure don't. So well, I that think. That is all I
2: had. Yeah. Uh, you, I just want to. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's, you know, that's all I had. And I just want to uh, tell you, man, I appreciate everything you do you're welcome out a lot.
0: You, you are welcome and uh i think we just um we just thought of something new here yeah in the beginning these electric trucks may be the last thing you want in a um, weight sensitive operation but at some point they may become a really good solution for weight sensitive operations
2: could be i mean i don't know that zach Wade on on the cars, but I've heard, you know, the electric cars way more than the, the combustible engine cars. Yeah. Well, if they do, the trucks are going to,
0: you're right. And like I said, when they, you know, Tesla talks about 600 mile range on their truck and being able to get another 500 miles with just a 30 minute charge. In cars, in the auto world, they don't care quite so much about weight. Now, obviously, the heavier they make that vehicle, the faster the battery is going to wear out. But the way you make it heavier is by putting more battery in it. So they were able to push the limits on the cars. And nobody really cares if their car is 500 pounds heavier. Nobody cares. We do care, though, if a truck is 500 pounds heavier.
2: Yeah.
3: Sure do.
0: Now, I believe that at some point we will get something like a solid state battery and we then it's going to be the opposite. We're going to be able to build trucks that are much lighter than today's trucks.
2: That would be good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's in the future. Now, who knows by the time we get that, all the trucks might be autonomous and, you know, it might not matter to us. I don't know. There's an awful lot changing, though.
2: It sure is. I may be out of it by that time.
0: I, it, you know, it, it's, we know it's here. It's happening. It's not going to stop happening. The, the big question is how fast will it happen? How many vehicles in 10 years are going to be all electric? I can promise you it's not going to be all of them, not even in 10 years, probably not even in 20 in fact, I, doubt, I don't know that it will ever be any time in the near future because, for one thing, a lot of people are not going to give up those cars. We'll, we'll keep them forever, just like we keep old cars now.
2: Yeah, well, I, I run an old truck. Excuse me, I run an old truck, uh, you know, because I like the
0: old truck. Well, there you go. Same thing. Mean, I know
2: I've got the aerodynamics of a cinder block. I understand <laughs> that. But, you know, I, I'm getting 6.7 miles to a gallon on a B-model cat. Well, there you go. I'm not out living yeah. living on it. I'm over in the right lane running about 62 mile an hour.
0: Yeah. So, you know, just like every now and then we come across a really old truck that people are keeping running, that's still going to happen. So for a long, long time, we're still going to have vehicles out there with internal combustion engines. All right, Kendall, I'm going to cut you loose. We're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, We're going to take about a half hour break and then we will be back at 10 o'clock here on the West Coast, one o'clock on the East Coast with rolling tow with Mike and Kevin Beckett. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.